Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice, Tim Bielek, Bill Landis, your Ohio State coverage team. Uh, we're going to talk some Ohio State football this week. We're going to talk a little bit of food. Um, we're hitting the off season. We're hitting the off season, so we're going to be uh, trying to find some different stuff to talk about. What we're going to do for the next six podcasts, the next six Wednesday podcasts, is run through a position group each week in depth, in detail, break down every person um, at that position, what we think of them, what we think they could do. And along the way, we're still going to answer your questions about Ohio State football and food and anything else you have and deal with the news of the day as it comes up. Um, So... You can follow us on Twitter at Tim Bielek, at Doug Maurice at BillLandis25. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, review the podcast, read our stuff at cleveland.com slash OSU. Landis, have you noticed we asked for more reviews last week or a couple weeks ago? Have we gotten any more five-star reviews? We got, um, I think we have, we have three recent ones. I believe two are five-star reviews. No, I'm lying. Two are four-star reviews. One's a five-star review. Um, the two four-star reviews had some complaints. Ooh. One complaint was about chewing food. Still? Yeah, I don't know. I think, like... Is it cough drops? I think it's cough drops. We get sick, man. I don't know what to tell you. Sorry. I mean, I get it. Like, I'm not... And then someone else said, like... I I made a comment, I think, when we were in Dallas and I was sleep-deprived. And I said something along the lines of, like... I didn't say don't complain because it's free, but I, like, strongly hinted that you shouldn't complain because it's free. And then someone commented and said... Like, yeah, it's free, but it doesn't mean you can't strive to improve, which I guess is a good point. Um, but that same person also said, Doug, that uh, a little bit of Doug goes a long way. Oh! <laughs> Was that person in my family? No, maybe. Maybe. Uh, that's not the first time I've heard that, and that will not be the last time Yeah, I hear that. Um, Still four stars, though. I think good, good constructive criticisms with four stars are welcome, but five stars only. But are we going to change? Probably not. <laughs> Why change now? We'll, we'll take the constructive criticism. We just won't use it. Yeah. I think the eating thing is, is, is worth pointing out. And I think for the most part we've stopped. We, can, we haven't had a pizza during the podcast in a while. No, no, no. But sometimes sick people need cough drops. Yeah. Um, all right. So we do have some news to deal with with Ohio State football. Um, we are still waiting. So... On, on the guys who are potentially declaring for the NFL draft, there are only two sure thing declarations so far. 
Denzel Ward, who happened before the Cotton Bowl, and Sam Hubbard, who happened the day after the Cotton Bowl. Um, so we're still waiting on those. That's big stuff. Alex Grinch has officially been hired as a, a member of the Ohio State coaching staff, the 10th assistant coach. We'll get into that news. But uh, in your questions this week, the, the overriding topic, and this is what we'll get to first, is Mike Weber. And like I'm still slightly confused a little bit. Because when you are deciding whether you're staying in school, and there was a there's a former reporter who always was bothered by this, it's not really announcing are you coming back to Ohio State because you're all you're already at Ohio State. You're announcing whether you're staying at Ohio State. Are you staying or leaving? You're not coming back because you're there. Mike Weber, the the announcement. It's only his decision. This is not like an official Ohio State declaration where Ohio State has anything to say about Mike Weber. Like the idea of is Mike Weber coming back? The only person who matters in that discussion is Mike Weber. And so Mike Weber tweeted a cryptic kind of announcement. And it was sort of why is it cryptic? We're just waiting for you. But we are taking it as Mike Weber is coming back, right? It's either that or like he re-upped his Netflix subscription or something. He said one more year. Um, and then I, I texted his dad and I said like, hey, is Mike coming back? And he said, looking good. Which was like, it just made it worse. Um, so I, yeah, I think he's coming back. He doesn't have to make up his mind until January 15th, but... I think we're all operating under the assumption that he'll be on the team next year. At least, yeah, I don't know. Tim, what do you think? Um, I mean, it's hard to read into cryptic tweets because it, I feel like the younger player, younger people are becoming much better at saying everything while saying nothing at the same time, especially on Twitter. Even with the uh, doubling the characters up to 280, which, by the way, I, I'm still not a fan of that. Yeah, but, he used like 17 characters. Yeah. He had 280 to work with, baby. Yeah, put a put a picture in or something. Put like a put the thinking gif in there or something like that. I mean, you could be a little more cryptic with that, I say, but it is interesting though, the idea that we had talked about probably for weeks that we think he's he's probably his best bet is to leave for the NFL draft because he's gonna come into a situation where he's probably gonna be the number two running back to JK Dobbins, and if he comes back, that makes that adds a lot of depth to that backfield and it wouldn't be a bad thing for Ohio State at all if he came back because then you have two good running backs. And Weber played a lot better this year when he was given more given opportunities down the stretch. He looked faster. You know, he looked more explosive than we saw in his first season. Um, it's just hard. It's hard to see where he is because I mean, we still don't. We just still don't have an answer. I think he's coming back. I think that was an answer. Okay, so multiple questions on Mike Weber, Tyler Shoemaker. Loyal follower at Buckeye Tie Twenty Three. How surprised are you, Mike Weber, is coming back? Apparently, are you surprised by that announcement? I'm very surprised. I, I heard a story after the Cotton Bowl <clears throat> about like Mike Weber's demeanor after that game, and I first noticed that we were on the field, they were doing their celebration, and like they were standing in the corner singing "Carmen Ohio," and Mike Weber was at the end of the line, had his arm around Liam McCullough, was crying, not singing the song, was crying, like, looking off into the distance, like, looked kind of out of it and, like, very sad, and he just looked like a guy who was two things. One, disappointed with the way his season had gone, and two, realizing that his career was over. Um, And I I told him he looked like that 
which maybe maybe looked like a jerk. But I told him he looked like that, and he said, "No, I haven't made up my mind yet." But I thought in that moment he had already made up his mind that he was leaving. So I was very surprised that he's coming back. That he is apparently coming back. And if he, I agree. If he comes back, I'd be really stunned again because of you know what J.K. Dobbins has done. It'd be almost impossible for Weber to really pass Dobbins if he does come back this season. I feel like his best opportunity would be get on a get an NFL roster, maybe a second or third back, you know, a third, fourth, maybe fifth round pick or whatever in April's draft. Give yourself an opportunity to get get paid a little bit a year earlier. Um, and give yourself an opportunity because I feel like there'd be more opportunities, you know, at given NFL team than there would at Ohio State because he, he's going to have to fight for carries with J.K. Dobbins. He's not though. He is not. He's far from a guarantee to get drafted. This running back class is really deep. I, and I, if you would have asked me before this season, will, would he get drafted? I probably would have said yes. I don't think like I, th- I think third fourth round is is way too high for him, and I th- he would have been lucky I think to get drafted if he would have entered the draft. And he may have gotten. A not great NFL review back, which yes. may have affected it. Um, we don't know that. We don't know that. I think he would have gotten drafted. He would have. I but feel maybe very like confident saying his round. feedback was stay in school because you get first round, second round, stay in school. There's no way he got first round or second round. Yeah. Wade Frizzell at Frizzle Dizzle. <laughs> I'm looking at Wade right now. See if he's look. He looks like a Frizzle Dizzle. What's up? He does look like a. A frizzle dizzle. He wants to know. Oh, I lost the thing. He has a Mike Weber question. I lost the thing. By the way, uh, you can go on my Twitter account. Landis and I got photobombed by a very cute that was so child funny. who shot between us on the basketball court and stuck out her tongue. Um, and we had no idea she was there. And we didn't see it until we were watching <laughs> the video today. Um, for shizzle, for shizzle says with Weber coming back next year. How do you think that affects Dobbins and his touches in the offense? And I have an example I want to give. I just did a little numbered crunching, but you guys go ahead. I don't think it changes how much J.K. Dobbins gets the ball at all. I think that's the wrong way to think about it. You think When you think about Weber coming back and what his role will be, you think about the quarterback carries that J.T. Barrett. I think it was, J.T. had 166, I believe, and I think Weber had 101. Um I think no matter who the quarterback is, the quarterback will not be running 166 times. And if Dwayne Haskins is the quarterback, I think the quarterback might run less than 100 times. Um, so there are substantial carries out there in this offense, even if they do throw the ball more, just because JT Barrett's gone. I, so I don't think – I think Dobbins can get a little more than he got. I think he was bordering on 200. How do you know, – you just memorize their their carries? I wrote about it. I think oh. what's Dobbins have like 182. J.K. 194, 194, Barrett 165, Weber 101. Okay, so it was slightly off on all of them, but close. Um, I think J.K. can get to 200, even with Mike back. I think Mike gets much more than he had last year because J.T.'s gone. So I don't actually think it's that big of a deal, unless you're someone who just thinks J.K. Dobbins should get 300 carries. If we're to assume that, you know, say Dwayne Haskins is the quarterback in fall, and that, that's still a lot to be decided between him, Martell, Jay Martell, Joe Burrow, whoever wins the starting job where those carries are going to go. And I, I'm looking at the stats right here, 165 for Barrett. If you assume that half of the, that whoever's quarterback is going to get half of that, where are the other 80 going to go? And I would assume about 50 of those would go to Dobbins, maybe 20 to Weber and 10 to somebody else. McCall's going to get some. 
Yeah, McCall's going to get some if we think Jalen Gills is good. If Jalen Gills is good as we think he is, as his five-star resume says, he'll have an opportunity to carry the football a little bit. It's still going to be J.K. Dobbins run heavy, but it's not going to be Dobbins number one and then everybody else way down to number two. Weber comes back, he'll be the number two guy. Um, quarterback probably end up being number three, I guess, in that scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. J.K. needs more carries. J.K. 194. That was 47th, tied for 47th in the country in carries this year, um, which is fine for a true freshman. How many carries did Ezekiel Elliott have in 2015, his junior year? Not the national championship year, but the next year, as a junior, when he came back, they did not play in the Big Ten championship game. So in 13 games, how many carries did he have? Again, Dobbins had 194 last year. What's your guess? Uh, like 270? 265. 289. Ooh. Okay. That was seventh in the nation that year. 289 carries. I'm not saying J.K. Dobbins needs 289. He needs more than 194. He needs 250. Yeah. So I don't know how this is going to work. He's out for real? Yeah. We literally said, Tim said, I have my computer open in case Jerome Baker declares for the draft during the podcast, and 12 minutes into the podcast, Jerome Baker declared for the draft. <laughs> to give you a context of this, this is Monday at about 2.50 Eastern Standard Time, so this is how breaking news happens in, this, in the world, everybody. Should we continue while Tim writes, or should we pause? Let's pause so that Tim can remain a part of the conversation. Wow, Jerome Baker. We all knew, let's, let's talk for four minutes about Jerome Baker Okay. while Tim writes. We knew this, right? I thought, I mean, yeah, coming into the year, just assumed that he was going to go. Because I think coming into the year, he was maybe their best NFL draft prospect, right? I think people thought Denzel would be good, and then Denzel's clearly their best prospect now. In terms of who's eligible, Nick Nick Bosa's their best. But, um, yeah, I I thought coming into the year that Jerome Baker was probably their best draft prospect. And then he didn't have a great year. He finished okay. Um, So not surprising, but I thought... Kind of has as his year progressed that maybe he would he would come back, but no, not surprised. Certainly, I don't think a guaranteed first rounder at this point. No, no. With the year he had, and I think early on, in you know when people are doing preseason NFL big boards and mock drafts and stuff, I think Jerome Baker was acknowledged as a very possible first round pick, and and he didn't help himself this year. And again, Jerome Baker says said all this stuff himself. The whole year, he said, I haven't had a great year. I need to play better. I haven't played great. He said that every time we talked to him in the second half of the season. He's got really good sophomore film. He's got good film at the end of his junior year, and he'll be a combine monster. Yeah, he's going to be really fast. He's going to be great in the agility drills. Um I'll, I'll be curious to see like how strong he is, but like he's going to tear it up in the quickness, and and I think he's going to look really good like in coverage drills and stuff. Yeah, and with the linebackers when you're out on the field, not just doing the the you know the the number crunching stuff. Um, he's a, he's a smart guy. He's a good guy. Like I think a lot of not to like be a homer about Ohio State, but but I think very often their guys. I think do well in the interviews because mm-hmm. again we get we get a little sense of that. I mean, like you talk to Jerome Baker. And you get a sense that this is like a this is like a good guy who cares about football and wants to do well and has a good outlook on life and is smart and whatever. So, um, yeah, I think he can help himself. 
You know, I don't. I, and a lot of this, you know, they draft on potential. They don't draft on how many tackles you had. You know. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely like a top ten linebacker in the draft class. So, and I think Mel Kuyper has him there, if I'm not mistaken. And he does the thing. I mean, it's the whole thing. The way the way the the world is changing. He's the kind of linebacker that you need. He's the kind of guy yeah, that can like kind of a safety. Yeah, safety ish. All right, so we'll let Tim write this, and we'll be back in a second. All right, we're back. Tim's story is up. You can probably know now that we're recording this on Monday, by the way. We normally record on Tuesday, but I can't do it Tuesday. So we're recording on Monday. Jerome Baker is gone. That's three. Um, we can talk about that a little bit as well. But let's get back to – let's finish this Mike Weber, uh, J.K. Dobbins situation first. Uh, another question about it was – from Chase Richardson, how can we expect the our running back rotation to look if Weber comes back? Um, like, what do you what do you think? We're, what does it look like? I think J.K. Dobbins needs to be the starting running back. And how much how much better is J.K. Dobbins than Mike Weber in your mind? Well, that's 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 another question too. And I can't. Someone I think when Weber initially tweeted that out. Some people were asking us questions about that. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember who it was, and I don't... I, it's, hard, it's hard for me to find the questions. It's a, Twitter's a great big world. People are yelling at me about Hugh Jackson and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I get... So, if you tweet at Buckeye Talk Pod when we send out the thing for questions, that's the best way to find questions. People were saying, like, well, Mike Weber, like, people were sort of talking about the things that Mike Weber does better than J.K. Dobbins. And someone made a point, I'm pretty sure someone made a point, like, if you want one yard, they'd rather give it to Weber than Dobbins. Yeah. And I disagree with that. So let me ask you, let's, let's, let's narrow this down. Let's talk about the different aspects of being a running back. Who is the better home run threat, J.K. Dobbins or Mike Weber? Uh, it's Dobbins, but it's close, I think. I think I think Mike Weber might be faster than Dobbins, and I know being a home run threat is more about speed, more than just speed. Dobbins has better vision and can turn nothing into something, and then that something can become a home run. Um, but I think Weber might actually be faster. So if speed is how you define home run threat, I would listen to an argument for Mike Weber being the better home run back. Tim? Uh, it's, I mean, conventional wisdom would say J.K. Dobbins, although in the Big Ten telegame, twice he had long runs that came about a yard or two shy of the end zone. I think it was like a 77-yarder that he was brought down about the one or the two-yard line. That's something I'm sure he'll work on in the spring to finish those runs, to finish off the long uh, runs that he had. But, I mean, Mike Weber, I mean, I don't think we saw that kind of speed coming. I mean, the 80-some yarder against Michigan State, he hits a hole and he just runs away from everybody. I don't think we saw that speed coming. So I think in terms of pure speed, I would agree with Bill. He's better when, he's better doing that. But as far as creating your own home run, that's J.K. Dobbins. Yeah. Who's better at if you want to try to march the ball 11 plays, 80 yards for touchdown drive? Who do you want at running back, J.K. Dobbins or Mike Weber? Mm. Like you want to bleed some clock, you're saying? Yeah. Weber? Yeah, Weber. Who's better uh, if you're – who do you want in the game if you're not giving the ball to the running back? 
if the running back is not carrying the ball on that play, but he is in the game. And then he's either going to be uh, a check down option or he's going to be in there to pass protect. Who do you want in the game, Weber or Dobbins? And, and I'm talking about, like, next year. Yeah, like, I think Weber is a better blocker and Dobbins is a better pass catcher, so I don't know how to answer that. I, I guess... It's close? It's close, yeah. I, I uh, Weber. I'd say Dobbins. I feel like that's going to be the thing that he, that's going to be the other thing they're going to get him to improve on is be a pass protector. And that's the thing that happens. That's the thing that you naturally learn as your running back. The more you're in college, whatever, the more you have to learn how to pass block. I feel like Dobbins will learn to do that better. And he's a, he's a better pass catching threat out of the backfields. So I feel like Dobbins would be the option for me. Who do you want to give the ball to on third and one? Dobbins or Weber? Dobbins. Dobbins. Oh, Bill, you actually decided to answer J.K. Dobbins for one of these things, finally? <laughs> you wanted to say Weber, except then you realized you were going to end up saying Mike Weber t- as the answer to no, every it's question. Just that, it's just that they can both get a yard and Weber fumbles more. I saw the gears in your head turning a little bit when, as you were thinking about it. I could just... I'm not... Uh, I think I might think that Mike Weber's better than J.K. Dobbins. <laughs> Coming from the guy who like wrote he was going to be Archie Griffin after the Indiana game. Bertha Dobbins was going to be Archie Griffin after the Indiana game. J.K. Dobbins had 30 carries in the last two games of the year. 17 for 174 in the Big Ten Championship. 13 for 39 against USC on a night when they couldn't run. Yeah. Mike Weber, so that's 30 total. Mike yeah, Weber had nine carries. Yeah. Four carries for six yards against Wisconsin. Five carries for 18 yards against USC. If Mike Weber is better than J.K. Dobbins, why does J.K. Dobbins play more? I mean, do we want to go down that hole with this coaching staff? <laughs> Who's the best quarterback on the roster? <laughs> why did J.T. Barrett play more? But, but why would they play the freshman ahead of the upper class? Yeah, no, they think J.K.'s better. I think they, uh, the gap between the two is definitely not as wide as I thought it was going to be after that first game of the season. I truly think that Mike Weber, all the things he said he wanted to improve on coming into this year, I think he did. Um, but overall, J.K. Dobbins is still the better back, and clearly the coaching staff thinks that. Do you agree with that? Is J.K. Dobbins clearly the better back? I think so. I mean, again, the things I talked about him improving are just things that, you know, a young running back is going to improve on as time goes on. And Weber's had two years extra really be proficient to learn those things, you know, how to get better at the college level, how to pass protect. Weber's had the experience of learn, needing to learn how to do that. J.K. didn't, and right from game one, he showed he's a game breaker. I don't know. Weber's a good running back, but Dobbins is in a different category because, again, the nothing to something ability, the explosive athleticism. The only thing is really just finishing those runs, like those long touchdown runs. And again, that comes with time and, and strength work in the program. Dobbins is special. But he's not as good as Weber. No, like he's a... <laughs> if Dobbins is special, then what is Weber? <laughs> Just like a solid running back. Like, there's a difference. There's a cl- You watch him play, there's a clear difference. I think Mike Weber is is less than the sum of his parts. Like, we yeah. just broke down, well, what about this? Well, what about this? But what about this? But then, just watch him play a whole game, and it's like, yeah, I want Dobbins. Yeah. And so, I want Dobbins in short yardage... I want Dobbins to turn a three-yard gain into a nine-yard gain. Um, I mean, if 
if maybe J.K. Dobbins has a slightly better chance of getting caught from behind, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, Mike Weber's best run of the year, the one where he, what was the game? It was like the 82-yard touchdown run where everybody was like, whoa. And not to be Hugh Jackson talking about Isaiah Crowell, but he had a huge hole there. For sure, like and 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 anybody would have finished off that run. Now, not I mean, not anybody, but like all credit to Mike Weber, he did exactly what you're supposed to do on that play. But I didn't look at that play, and everybody went nuts about his speed. I didn't look at that play and think, "Wow, Mike Weber, all American." I mean, he didn't make anybody miss. He didn't I break a tackle. It, he just like, hit a hole and took off. Yeah, but last year, he I think he on that exact play, he would have been caught two years ago. He would have been caught. He like his his long rush of the season, I believe, was against Michigan State in 2016, and he got caught from behind. It was like a 50 yard run. It could have been a 70 yard touchdown, but he got caught. Is it possible to have too many running backs? Yeah, but I don't think two is too many. All right, so here's the example I wanted to give. I looked it up. Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, from the national championship team. In the game that's being played tonight after we record this, even though you're going to have watched it by the time you listen to this. Man, they played great. Wow. They play, they I can't believe that thing happened. Yeah. They played that football all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, Nick Chubb had between 11 and 20 carries. In every single game this year. Like, it is remarkable, the consistency. Every single game, he had between 11 and 20. 15, 13, 16, 15, 16, 16, 16, 13, 20, 11, 15, 12, 13, 14. Hmm. Every game, he did the same thing. And he gained, I mean, he had a terrible game against Auburn when they lost. He went 11 for 27. But then he had one, two, three, four, five. He had 500-yard games. He had a bunch of 80-yard games, whatever. Solid, 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 solid. Sony Michelle had eight games of at least 11 carries. Um, there were some games where they didn't use him as much. But overall, Chubb, going into the national championship game, 205 carries for 1,320 yards. Michelle, 142 carries for 1,129 yards. 15 touchdowns for Chubb, 16 for Michelle, 8-yard average for Michelle, 6.4 for Chubb. Is that on the table? That kind of breakdown for Weber and Dobbins? Yeah. <clears throat> or is that too balanced? Is that not what Ohio State would do with these two guys? Um, I, 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 go ahead, Tim. I think it's a little too balanced because, I mean, you ask people who watch Georgia – Way more than us. They'd probably tell you Chubb and Michelle are definitely a 1A, 1B. And I look at these numbers. Chubb and Michelle sounds like a really funny like Nickelodeon show. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I've joked before, What if when Sony Michelle goes to the NFL, he needs to be endorsed by Bose or JBL or somebody like that. And then they run a campaign where his, his first name changes. But anyway. <laughs> Bose Michelle. <laughs> JBL Michelle. Yeah. Hey, that rhymes. But um, I get the sense... Looking at these numbers, that Chubb and Michelle are more of a one A one B than Dobbins and Weber. I feel I felt like this year Dobbins was one and Weber was two. Although that margin was close, I can, I don't really see them being equal. I see Dobbins, you know, being more highly regarded by just a, a slim margin than Weber. 
so 50-50 split I think is kind of out the window, but it could get a little closer depending on, you know, how much Weber improves if he does come back. But I just feel like that Jordan situation is different because they have two-star running backs who are both outstanding guys. I think both are going to do really well in the NFL. I think it's – I don't think it should be quite that even. I think it should be – that's pretty close to 50-50, right, for those two I mean, guys? it's like 55-45. 55-45. Yeah. I, th- I think Dauber – Dauber. I know. <laughs> I avoided doing that all year. Dobbins and Weber should be more like 60-40, 65-35. Okay, so now so give you a break. So what is the ideal breakdown in carries? In favor of Dobbins. Next obviously. year. Yours is 65-35? Uh, 63-37. No, 63-30, yeah. 63, whatever. Whatever that gets to 100. What's yours, Tim? 63-30-7. Seven for everybody else, not named a quarter, not a quarterback. Because I think you still have to have carries out there for other guys. You know, H-backs you have on the roster, Demario, McCall we mentioned, whoever else they want to give carries to. But I think as far as carries, Dobbins needs 60-some plus percentage. Okay, just talking about the carries from those two guys mm-hmm. this year, it was 66-34. 194 carries to 101 carries, basically 2-1. to one. Yeah. And this is with Weber not playing for a handful of games in the beginning of the season. He missed two games. And get and limited as well in the beginning of the game. I think Oklahoma only had like three carries. I think Oklahoma. he had seven games where he had fewer than ten carries. The first four games he went, didn't play, three carries, four carries, didn't play. Yeah. So he had seven carries in the first four games. Yeah. Um, I want 85-15. I want J.K. Dobbins to be a Heisman Trophy running back. And I think if you are not giving him the ball because you're trying to give the ball to somebody else, you're not being as good as you can be. I think he's that good. I think the more he plays, the better he gets. I still, you know what, I have not rewatched Ohio State USC. Mm-hmm. They couldn't run it. They couldn't run it. Um, but that was the first time we really ever saw J.K. Dobbins stop. The only thing that stopped J.K. Dobbins this year is not giving him the ball. And he's going to get better. Give the guy the ball. So I, I think we thought Mike Weber was going to go. I would imagine, I remember when, when Urban Meyer was talking to us before the Cotton Bowl and talking about how it's hard to recruit with the early signing day ahead of the NFL announcement day. They have an idea in their head. I think they thought he was gone. Do you think the Ohio State coaches thought Mike Weber was gone? As yeah. they bring in two tailbacks in this class. Yeah, I think they brought in two tailbacks because of that. But I also, I don't think Mike Weber would be coming back unless he thought they wanted him back. He's not going to put himself in a situation again where they're not going to give him the ball. So now this is a problem. Why is it a problem if they want him back? Yeah. Somebody said that too. Like, well, what's this? Like, when are Brian Sneed and Master T going to transfer? Like, did you think they were going to play as true freshmen? No, I don't think it's a problem for the freshmen. I think it's a problem if Ohio State wants to give J.K. JK Dobbins between 20 and 25 carries every game because they think he's one of the best running backs in the country, and Mike Weber came back and might be upset if he gets four carries a game. Isn't that a problem? Yeah, but I don't think that – I think if they knew that was going to be their plan, they would have said in a nicer way, see you later, Mike. 
I think I think I think part of this conversation, I think there's a misconception with how much they're going to want to throw the ball next year, because the assumption is that Dwayne Haskins is the quarterback. Um, I think you might see a team that's like running the ball 35 to 40 times a game next year. Yeah, and if that's the case, then you can't have Dobbins be the only guy. I could I definitely see that. It won't be as skewed as Georgia because, I again, looking at the numbers, Georgia threw, ran about three times as much as they passed. You have the excuse that they had a true freshman quarterback. Fine. I, I don't think it's going to be that heavy, but with an inexperienced, with a relatively inexperienced starting quarterback and, at the very minimum, a very competent running back in J.K. Dobbins, if Weber comes back, you have two very competent, talented running backs. You'll lean on those guys. And until the quarterback really gets, you know, established, figures things out, and, you know, he just lets it fly. J.K. Dobbins had 29 carries in the first college football game he ever played mm-hmm. when Mike Weber was hurt. These are J.K. Dobbins' carries every game the rest of the season. 13 13 14 6 13-12, 13-6, 18-12, 15-17, 13-12, 15-17, 13-13. Or... Not enough, 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 maybe enough against Michigan State. Not enough, not enough, not enough, not enough. What was the Michigan State number? 18. 18 for 124 in a 48-3 blowout. Not enough. He's better than that. That cannot be his carries next year. But what is is 20 to 25 for Dobbins and like 10 to 15 for Weber acceptable in your mind? Yeah, because I don't think Dobbins needs... 30 carries Like, a game. Zeke didn't get 30. They're not going to give any... And part of that's JT. But I don't think he wants to give any tailback the ball 30 times. There's so, I think one of the things they are obsessed with is having guys fresh and rotating guys. And if you can do that, I think they, they'd err on the side of doing that. So, giving up all the guys so do you guys both game. believe that, that basically J.K. Dobbins can get more carries next year and Mike Weber can basically get J.T. Barrett's carries? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think Weber coming back takes anything away from J.K. If you, if you use this year's number, it doesn't take anything away from J.K. And there is enough left over from what J.T. would have done for both of them. So again, the numbers this year were 194, math on the fly, 194 for Dobbins, 165 for Barrett, and 101 for Weber. So that's 460 carries, okay? So if I want J.K. to go from 194, I want J.K. in a... In a 14-game schedule to get 22 a game, okay? That's 308 for J.K. Mm-hmm. I'll give him 300. I want J.K. to get 300 carries. That's 160 carries left for Weber and the quarterback. J.T. JT this year had 165. Like, what's your guess? Dwayne Haskins had 24 carries in his limited action this year. If J.T., this year had 165 carries, and in, in his career, he had, oh, those are his passing numbers. I can't get his rushing totals. What, what do you think will be Dwayne Haskins? JT, in his career, had 171, 205, and 165 rushing carries. The three years he was the full-time starter. Okay? I'm stumbling over myself. Again, 2014, 171 carries. 2016, 205. 2017, 165. Okay? They, I think at times this year, did make a concerted effort to try to have him carry it less, and then they just couldn't do it. 
But that's why he didn't have 200 this year, only had 165. What's the Haskins number? If Haskins is the quarterback, how many carries will he end up with next year? I think he's going to have, like, I think whoever the quarterback is. Because I think, and we can talk about that later, but I would say that the quarterback next year has fewer than 10 carries per game. JT had almost 12 last year. It was over 15 in 2016. So I'll say, like, seven per game. I'll say seven per game over a, call it a 13-game season. All right, that's 98. That's a 14-game season. That's 98. All right, so that's 100. That's so, I, and then I, I want to lower it then. I don't think the quarterback runs the ball close to 100 times next year. All right. You want to give him – let's give five. him – Five per game. This is some high-level math on the fly. So that would be 70 let's carries do, for the season. Let's do five and a half okay. in a 14-game season. It's 77 carries. Okay? So I'll give him 75. So we got 300 for JK. We got 75 for the quarterback. And that leaves – 85 carries for Mike Weber. Yeah, that's just wrong. So what's the answer? Who are we taking away from? J.K. is not running the ball 300 times. And that's wrong. That's wrong. I don't think it's... I disagree. I don't think it's wrong. How many carries do you want for J.K.? 250. Give 50 more to Weber. Well, and you also got to consider carries for guys like Demario. I'm leaving those guys out of the conversation. That's all bonus. I don't care about that stuff. This conversation, 300 is not going to happen. Yeah, I I, th- I think three hundred is too many. I feel like even outside, even included, like with the exception of Zeke Zeke Elliott getting a massive amount of carries, I feel like Urban Meyer's DNA has been spread carries out, and multi- like you said, multiple guys get the football. You keep guys fresh throughout the game. I think Dobbins will get his carries bumped up. I think uh, two fifty is a good number for him. That's about that's almost twenty a game. And I think if Dwayne Haskins is the quarterback, he'll maybe run five, six times a game. Martell, I could see that number going up to about eight or nine. Same with similar if Burrow's the quarterback next season. And then after that, you just whatever else you can give for Mike Weber is what you give him. And it depends on situation. I don't know if Urban Meyer is obviously not going to go into season. All right, we want to give J.K. two hundred fifty carries. He got twenty against Oregon State. No, he counts. All right. You have 230 carries left, J.K. I mean, it's not like that, but he goes. He has a number in his head. He knows how many times he wants to get, his, get the ball to these guys. 14-game schedule, which is your regular season, make the Big Ten Championship and play your bowl game. 14-game schedule, 250 carries is 18 a game. In my mind, that's a good number. I think 250 Dobbins, 150 Weber, the rest of the quarterback is a good breakdown. Yeah, that that's about 60-40, so... Percent. I'm trying to do math in my own head. I feel I feel like I could have that percentage in my head, but ratio wise, I feel like that works out pretty well for both guys. I'm not happy. I want more. How many? Well, how many running backs in the country had 300 carries this year? Uh, Which is what I want Dobbins to get. Seven. I'll say ten. Three. Can I guess? Yeah. Jonathan Taylor. He had 299. <laughs> he was fourth. Then all pump for... No, he's gone. Who's the it, other guy? It's three guys... Rashad... Rashad... Um, Penny. 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 Uh, had 289. It's three guys I never heard of. Florida Atlantic's running back had 301. <laughs> Colorado's running back had 301. And Boston College's running back had 300. So nobody had more than 301. 
2016, there were five running backs to get more than 300, including uh, Corey Clement. In 2015, there were five running backs to get uh, at least 300, including Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey, Justin Jackson from Northwestern, and Leonard Fournette. In 2014, there were six running backs to get that many, uh, including Melvin Gordon and David Cobb from Minnesota. So that's a elite company, but that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about workhorse, stud, star running backs. That's what I wanted to meet. You're also talking about programs with the exception of Alabama who don't have talent at other positions and have to run the running back that much because he's their best player and they can't move the ball otherwise. Ezekiel Elliott, 13 games, 289 carries, 22 carries per game, 140 yards. In 2015? Yep. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about for J.K. That was on a dysfunctional offense that couldn't throw the ball. And, and who was the number two back that season? Like, was there a number two back? No. Curtis Samuel? Samuel, kind of. He was more of a receiver that year. He was a receiver that year. Okay. We'll see. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Only time will tell. That's true. <laughs> um, That's what time does. All right, let's go to Grinch. Let's go to Grinch. I'm wound up now. I just want... Is it so wrong for me to want the best player to get the next running back in carries that year, by the way? Ezekiel Elliott had 289. J.K. Barrett had 115. Braxton had 42 in the funky snap the ball to Braxton, let him jitterbug and take a loss of six yards running style. Next among running backs, Curtis Samuel had 17, Briante Dunn had 14. Oh, yeah, so Dunn. nobody got carries other yeah. than Ezekiel Elliott that year. So, I don't know. Like, I'm not trying to say that Mike Weber coming back is a bad thing. I don't, I don't think that's exactly right. But if you, if, if you want to give – I mean, before we end this, is it possible that Urban Meyer and Kevin Wilson and Ryan Day – will want to give J.K. Dobbins the ball more and feel like they can't because the backup is so good, they've got to give him some. Uh, or is it life in the big city, you know what? Yeah. If we feel like J.K. needs 22 a game, he's getting it. I think that. But I also, I don't know if they think that way, but if they did, I think that's the answer. And what happens if Mike Weber averages five carries a game next year? You will have a very um, unhappy Mike Weber. That's all I'm saying. Grinchy Poo. Grinchy Poo is in. Finally. It's Grinchmas. Can we, uh, can we now, in this moment, let's all, and I'm talking about listeners, and listeners, you can spread this word to all your favorite Ohio State writers. Let's put a moratorium on Christmas puns with Alex Grinch. Okay? Everyone in agreement? Great. Well, Christmas... Uh, Two weeks to the day of Christmas, so... you already... Done. You're over with. You got yours in when you wrote the story. That's it. Do they... Do they... Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think... Uh, I just got Googled Alex Grinch and uh, Whoville. <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out how much people have written. Gee, I wonder what his Halloween costume is every year. Football coach. 
What's he going to do? Why did they announce this? So what they announced finally, officially on Monday, is that he's hired. He's the 10th assistant. He's on the defensive staff. But they did not say what he is. Why? Why didn't they say it? Is it because they don't know? Is it because they're waiting for possible other movement in the staff? Why didn't they announce what he is? I don't know. It's weird. They're not allowed to hire a 10th assistant until Tuesday. January 10th. They announced the hiring on January 9th. I don't know why they did that. Like, it was out. Bruce Feldman reported it last week that he was going to be co-defensive coordinator. But it's probably just, like, HR stuff that they can't. Alex Grinch is on the football staff. We can't tell you what he is because we're not legally allowed to hire a 10th uh, full-time assistant yet. And even before Bruce Feldman put that out, someone brought to my attention that he was actually in the Ohio State directory. Yeah, there as a director Alex- of recruiting operations. And also director of high school football relations, whatever that means. That's it. I mean, they could say he's on the staff in, but they, but I'm guessing until January night they can't exactly specify his title because that's when you get your tenth assistant. What was the language of the release? Uh, the language of the release. I'm going to look it up right now. <laughs> it's a very sensual phrase. Got, yeah. He says. <laughs> he says uh, Alex language. Grinch, defensive coordinator and secondary coach for the past three years at Wazoo and a Broyles Award semifinalist this season has joined the OSU sta- coaching staff. His specific responsibilities will be announced at a later date. I paraphrase the first sentence or so, but they say his specific responsibilities will be announced at a later date. They that- did not call him an assistant coach. Yeah, they just said he joined the, the coaching staff. I think that's what it is. I, I, we're recording this on Monday, like you said. If we got a release on Tuesday that said, hey, Alex Grinch is the defensive coordinator, I wouldn't be surprised by that. I just don't think they can say it yet. Yeah, they can say he's hired, but they can't say what his role is because Tuesday at, say, like midnight 01 or whatever is when you can officially have your 10th assistant coach on staff. All right, so what's your level of excitement for Alex Grinch joining his staff? One is whatever, they got to have somebody be the 10th assistant. Ten is he's a transformational coach that brings this program to the next level and helps them get over the top uh, for national championship contention next year. Which like I'm like which Chris Ash did, mm-hmm. which Tom Herman did. Like I'm I'm being again hyperbolic, except we know what that looks like. Chris Ash came, changed him, won a title, left. Tom Herman came, changed him, won a title, left. We know what that looks like. Could Alex Grinch? Be that. What's you? What are you? One to ten. Go ahead, ten. Um, eight point seven five. I feel like because it's not going to be necessarily his defense. He's going to probably most likely share responsibilities with Greg Schiano. Grinch will get his footprint on it. And what is important for Ohio State fans is when I, you know, going through the numbers of Alex Grinch. Here's are the things that should stand out to you. Last season, Washington State number four in the country in third down defense. They. About 172 times they they forced opponents on third down. They converted only 28.5% of third downs. That's incredible. Tied for ninth in turnovers forced. They forced 28 turnovers. Ninth in the country in pass defense. And and ninth in tackles for loss. And the areas where Ohio State had problems this year, pass defense, turnovers forced. That's two areas right there that Alex Grinch... And his philosophy should immediate, have an immediate impact. Because Ohio State, for years, has been able to force turnovers. They just didn't for whatever reason this year. And the first two games, they gave up 800 passing yards. And this is 
Alex Grinch doing it in a pass-heavy league in the back, in the Pac-12 with defensive personnel that uh, I cannot name one other person on that defense except for Hercules Mata'afa. And he's a defensive tackle. So I think that imprint alone says, you know, this guy's got a background in coaching secondary. He knows what he's talking about when he's coaching defense. There's new ideas that are coming into this defense. And you guys have brought it up before, the youth. He's 37 years old. The youngest guy in that defensive staff, I think Ryan Day might is the only other coach who's that young on this entire coaching staff. You can't say enough for youth, and you can't say enough for new ideas. Uh, like a seven. I don't. To be perfectly honest, I don't know much about Alex Grinch and Tim. I was going to say like a five, and then Tim brought me up to a seven <laughs> with all those stats. Um, to be honest, no one knows as much about Alex Grinch as Tim Bielek. That's true. <laughs> I think there is something to be said to have that kind of defensive success at a program that is not known for it in a league that has a lot of really good offenses. So if he is that, if he's a smart defensive football coach, that's always good. I'm sure he's a fine recruiter. Vermeyer doesn't hire bad recruiters. Um, except for Tim Beck. And, uh, yeah, so I think it's I think any youthful energy on the staff is good. Someone who thinks a little differently is good. Chris Ash completely transformed the defense when he came here. I don't know if that's out there for Alex Grinch, especially as long as Greg Schiano's around, but I think it's a good hire. There's an article I just found. I'll tweet it out later from uh, Stephanie Lowe of the Seattle Times. She explained She's for the Harrisburg Patriot News. She explains the defensive philosophy of Alex Grinch, and the philosophy is called the Speed D, which is basically just an idea for a fast defense. The the criticism, and this came up in the in the Holiday Bowl against Michigan State, is it. Re- 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 revolves around being undersized. And, I mean, that's not going to be an issue with Alex Grinch. He's going to have similar speed guys that are stronger. And if you look at that defense, Mata Afo is about 200. I think he was not a prototypical defensive tackle size. He's more of a defensive end size in this scheme. He played defensive tackle and played very well. So, he, essentially, undersized guys who fly to the football and just rely on pure speed. I mean, the, I mean if that's it, like, Urban Meyer always gets credit for being, like, some kind of offensive innovator because he took an offense that was an equalizer for less talented programs and then ran it with really talented players. So if that's what Alex Grinch is going to do at Ohio State, then, yeah, it'll work. It, it, there, she references specifically comes from the Gary Pinkle tree. Mm. One of the top ten trees. Along with the Mount Union it's tree. live oak. Pinkle tree is a lovely buds in the spring. Yeah. <laughs> we had a pinkle tree in my yard uh, when, before I moved to Ohio. Uh, I say eight. He's the hire they should have made. That kind of hire, not him, that's the hire they should have made when they hired Bill Davis. Mm-hmm. So they're making up for Bill Davis. As Alec Carlisle asks at AM Carlisle 4598, have we heard anything about what's going to happen with Bill Davis? Could Grinch step in and do his job, please? Like, it's going to help. Yeah, like, I, Urban said he does not expect any staff changes other than this addition. Now, we'll see. But especially when all the NFL stuff starts happening, I guess. Um, but I'm operating under the assumption that the nine who were here last year will be back, and Grinch is the 10th. So that mean, doesn't mean roles can't change, but the people will be the same. Viz Ambassador, V-I-Z Ambassador, our guy. Who gets a better job when they leave Ohio State, Shiano or Grinch? Grinch. Grinch is younger. I feel like this could be the, that stepping stone, like a Herman-esque stepping stone to a big job. I'm kind of surprised, honestly, that he was still available. You would think with all the openings out there that he would get some consideration 
for the things he had done at Washington State. Again, being Mike Leach's defensive coordinator, it's not an easy job. And he... Being Mike Leach's anything is not an easy job. Eh, well, well, I mean... <laughs> although, if you if we had a chance to talk to him every week, that'd be the most fun thing, because he's got... I don't think so. I don't know. You wouldn't want to go to a Mike Leach press conference? No, because you would like, ask like about... Like, one time. Like, Mike... Um, your receiver production hasn't been what you guys expected. When it comes to recruiting receivers, uh, do you feel like you guys need to recruit more polished receivers and less athletes that you're converting to receiver? Let me tell you about Pirates and Vikings. <laughs> like, again, it's, that's the kind of guy that's a great, wonderful, like, funny thing to watch from afar. I don't, but I don't want to do it. But now, actually, we like got into a thread about that this year that someone who covers them was saying like he does all the football stuff and then he'll do 10 or 15 minutes on pirates and vikings at the end I, and people started asking him weird questions but that, I, th- I remember his press conferences saw something was like anywhere 40 minutes to like an hour or something like that so they have time to talk football but occasionally he'll throw out the weird talk about um like you said pirates vikings or when he gave the one reporter wedding advice yeah i'm good with that um Listen, by the way, like, that's not, okay, now I'm officially, like, pulling the reins back on the Alex Grinch hype. Alex Grinch is coming to Urban Meyer Finishing School. Like, it is not a surprise that they got him. What did you think, like, what do we think he's going to be? Is he supposed to be the head coach of Oregon State right now? He's 37. Did his name come up for the Oregon State? I don't State know, team? but, like, I, like if Tim, like, if you think, Tim, that, like, oh, you're surprised that he's still out there for Ohio State to get, it's Ohio State! Where else is he going to go? Well, when I, we talked about it in November, I... I was under the assumption that Greg Schiano was going to get a job somewhere else, and up until Tennessee fans revolted, that looked like that was going to be the case. So, I mean, I said Grinch as a defensive coordinator by himself would be great. To put Grinch with Schiano, you have you could have something there to really re- rework a defense that looked like it definitely missed Luke Fickle this season. So he's at Urban Meyer for finishing school. Obviously, Schiano's a short-timer here, and when Schiano goes, it'll be his defense to run, and he's in a great spot. Yep. Alan Kitchen, do you guys get the impression that any receivers are set to make the jump from rotation guy to go-to guy next year? I think we might have done something along these lines. Uh, yeah, I think we did, and I think the answer was Austin Mack. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I'm not. I'm I'm not on the Ben Victor train, so Mack would, I think is the only one you could answer with. Yeah, I think we answered a similar question last week. I mentioned, you know, if Haskins is a starter that. Mac and Haskins yeah. are roommates. Oh, yeah, they're roommates. Mac right? and Haskins yeah. are roommates, yeah. and there's a natural connection. And I, I, I said last week I thought Mac was Ohio State's best offensive player in the Cotton Bowl. He'll lead Ohio State in receptions next year. Mm-hmm. The Urban Renewal. How many scholarships will Ohio State realistically use this cycle? So they've signed how many? Twenty. They've signed 21, and they have 22 commitments. Because Tyreek just Cause Tyreek has not signed yet. Are they going to get Tyreek Smith? Will they get the 25? Uh, so right now they're at 64 with Baker gone. So what's 64 plus 22? 86. Four more guys gone. Possible. Yeah, I think they'll get, I think they'll get 20. Is Wallabaugh in there? Yes. Is Wallabaugh gone? That's in that 64? Mm -hmm. So Baker gone, Weber back is at 64. But again, we're figuring, uh, the people left are... Draymond Jones and the receivers. Yeah. And it, you know what? It's possible that like that nobody else goes. Sure. Like Baker su- was the last be, sure thing. I would be surprised if all four of the receivers who are eligible come back. It's not impossible, but I would I would just be surprised by that. So if they're at with with twenty two people in this class, 
and the current people gone for the NFL, they're at 86. So if they wanted to get to 80, to if they wanted to get to 25 in this class, that's 89. Mm-hmm. So they need four people gone to be able to do that. But there are injury potential guys. I think there are uh, two and, two come to mind. I just won't say who they And are. we're not counting them yet, right? Correct. So we're also not counting the potential transfer of a quarterback. Right, so that's three, even if all the NFL got... They'll get to 25. Yeah, I think they'll get to 25. I don't know who the other guys are, who they would add to fill those other three spots. But, yeah, they, they can add three more. Also from Urban Renewal, what's the most underrated fast food restaurant? Most under- underrated rated mm. fast food restaurant. Most underrated fast food restaurant. Hmm. I know my brother's listening over in England, and he's going to want to cover his ears when he says it. Cause he's... Is his name Glenn Jr.? No, his name is not Glenn Jr. <laughs> I can't believe you actually said that. I just want to write a movie called Glenn Bielek, Glenn Bielek. <laughs> <laughs> I would just love to hear what this is This is about at another time. But the reason I, I say you should cover his ears, he already knows what I'm going to say, is Arby's. I feel like... Arby's, oh, that's a good answer. Arby's is that place that you don't go a lot, but when you get it, you're like, man, why don't I get it more often? That, to me, is the definition of underrated. Roast beef and cheddar Roast beef and cheddar is good. The curly fries are what I come back for. You know, mm. How many fast food places have curly fries? Not enough. But they don't have regular fries, right? That's fine with me. Yeah, I mean, you get regular fries everywhere else. I know, but I would like curly fries as an option. I don't want curly fries jammed down my throat. I want I, curly. I don't. <laughs> Speaking of essential release, whatever it was, curly fries. Uh, yeah, because I feel like they used to have a normal fry option. But sometimes, because I like their chicken fingers. Yeah. But sometimes really I don't want the curly, and, and you have to have it. So. Is it, like, maybe this is a stupid one to say, like, my family doesn't like it very much, but I like topping at KFC. Like, and that's, like, a super famous one, but, like, do people appreciate KFC? No, I don't think so. I think KFC has, in a lot of ways, been surpassed by places like Popeye's. But I still think, I don't get the chicken, I don't get, like, full pieces of chicken there, but, like, the tenders and the popcorn chicken and, like, a lot of the little options they have, the wedges are really good. Like a little, I have like a lot, a, a lot nice, of variety there. A nice little like five dollar lunch meal there, mm-hmm. uh, and you have a couple different ways you can go. Uh, I enjoy a good KFC, and I feel like it's it's such a big thing. I mean, like you know, they have the famous comedians doing the commercials. It's not like people don't. It's not they haven't heard of KFC, that, but I just don't know if there's an appreciation for it. And again, it created KFC paved the way for Canes and Chick Fil A and all these other people. Owe a, gre- a, data, a debt of gratitude to KFC, or we'll be all sitting around eating hamburgers twenty four hours a day. I think that's fair. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I know that the K- KFC is like the closest fast food, fast food place to me, and I still have not gone. I think you might have convinced me that I need to go back at some point in the near future. <clears throat> Arby's is a good answer. I think Arby's might be my answer. I know that there's some people who love Arby's, but I don't. I Arby's is underrated in my mind. Like I underrate Arby's. I don't go there enough. I haven't been since I... I also like, uh... I don't even know if... Does Roy Rogers still exist? Mm, not in this big, area. I re- big Roy Rogers guy. I, I used to be. My only experience with them ever was, like, they... I know they ha- 
I don't know if they still do. They have, like rest stops on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. Yes. Or whatever. Yeah, that's where I. Yeah. They, they, I, I don't they, know if they do anymore. I was gonna say I was about to ask if they were still there because I remember there might be one, but there used to be like ten. Yeah, and I haven't had one in twenty years or something like that. It's been oh. a long time. KFC founded in nineteen thirty. Really? Chick Fil A founded in nineteen sixty seven. Canes founded in nineteen ninety six. And the good news for Chick on the campus of Louisiana State University. Really. Ask Ryan Giddle about it. Good news about Chick-fil-A is Monday night's big national championship game, people actually got to have KFC in the Atlanta Stadium. Wow. The Mm. things that happened. Mm. My children ate Chick-fil-A for lunch on Monday to celebrate that. Um, Let's see. Could This is Bill Ward at MarkTheNark4. I love when people's names don't match their handles. Bill Ward, MarkTheNark4, wants to know, could the big Is it Nark with a C? It is Mark with a C. Maybe he's a cop. <laughs> or just a snitch. Or just a snitch. I'm just kidding. We love you, Mark, Mark the Nark. Can the Big Ten get two teams into the playoff next season? And if so, who? Mm. Tim, can you just spin us through real quick your early power rankings? Like, who are the top four? Because um, I just saw someone else's power rankings come out, and they had Wisconsin first. Yeah, I, I, I know exactly who you're talking That's about. That's They had Wisconsin number one. They actually had Maryland all the way down at 13, which I had a massive, massive disagree. But that's, so, so, but also, it doesn't have to be two different sides. Right. Like, it could be the same, it could be like Penn State and Ohio State right. both getting in, as, as should have happened in 2016. You know, yeah, with, with. Right. One makes the championship, one doesn't with a really good resume. I almost think that's the more likely path, even though this year the two teams can actually see are from different divisions. Because it's like you basically, it, I don't think it's going to happen that, I mean, unless unless your conference championship game is one versus two and they're both undefeated. Right. The scenario is if, if your champ is undefeated and then there's someone else in the division who has one loss to the champ. Right. Yeah. Yes. So, like again, like Alabama and Georgia, they're on opposite sides, but they didn't play each other. If Alabama and Georgia, if Alabama had beaten Auburn, well, I don't know. If Alabama had beaten Auburn, and then Alabama and Georgia played in the SEC championship, and Georgia beat Alabama, they both would have gotten in. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because Alabama's resume just would have been better. Yeah. Than the one that yeah. got them in anyway. Yeah. That of all the things, by the way, of like. If anyone was sort of like not hepped up about the all SEC college football playoff, imagine if that had happened. Imagine in that, that that scenario that Alabama beat Auburn and then Alabama did make the SEC championship and Georgia beat them and then, and then Alabama them. got in anyway. And so not only was this an all SEC championship game, it was a repeat of the SEC title like game. Out, like Bama LSU. Yeah. Blah. Yeah. Yeah. But- Going back to the power because I put them up last week. I had Ohio. Here's my top five in order: Ohio State, Wisconsin, Penn State, Michigan, and Michigan State. And the way I see it, no, only one is going to get in next year. And here's the reason: it probably doesn't, not even have to do with the Big Ten. Alabama, Georgia is a spot. One of them will get in next year. Clemson, you would have to assume with Kelly Bryant likely coming back, Dexter Lawrence coming back for his third season, you'd have to assume they'll get a spot. Big Ten will get a spot. After that, I don't know. It would take a Big Ten team really impressing to get in. And and the thing that held Wisconsin out of the discussion for so long, their non-conference schedule was awful. 
Although, give them credit, the Florida Atlantic win looks so much better now than it did at the time, but BYU really let them down last uh, this season. If BYU was solid, 12-1 and and Wisconsin could have had, you know, a potential playoff discussion, but unless a team like that really improves their non-conference schedule or a team like Penn State goes 11-1, and their only loss is to Ohio State, or something along those lines, I don't see if Ohio State wins a conference, the Big Ten getting two teams next season. Wisconsin's big non-conference game next year is BYU again. Penn State's big non-conference game is Pitt. Michigan State plays Utah State and Arizona State. So that could be interesting. I mean, the fight in Herm Edwards, man, that's not going to be, that's not a gimme for anybody. 15% chance that Herm Edwards is not the coach of Arizona State for that game. (laughs) <laughs> like, do you think do you think that's possible because like Herm Edwards actually technically is the coach, but like forgets to come to the game? Yeah, like he's golfing or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Michigan. Well, Michigan opens with uh, Notre Dame next year, and they also play SMU, which is kind of an interesting one-two punch. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ohio State opens with Oregon State, and then in week three is the game at AT and T Stadium in Dallas against TCU. So I do think. You know, that, that's, that's part of the deal. Like, are you building yourself up? The reason that Ohio State got in as a non-conference champ two years ago is because they had Oklahoma as that kind of win in the non-conference to bolster everything else they did. And they got a good draw in, from the West, too. In the Big Ten. So, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, you've got to give yourself opportunities that if you're talking about, if you're talking about any non-champ, when you're talking about two teams from the same conference getting in, one's a non-champ, obviously, you're, you're talking about you've got to be able to present the kind of resume that overcomes not being a champ unless you're Alabama and then you just get in no matter what. Who, who does Ohio State have from the West next year besides Purdue? Uh, from, they have Minnesota and Nebraska. <clears throat> not great. Three game, it's three games in a row. They get, although, At, yeah. yeah, Joe Burrow will be hard to stop in the Nebraska offense. Um, Never count out Jeff Brom. I, I learned my lesson. I've already counted him out. Ira Denlinger, do you think Ohio State will dump the awful read option? No. No. Because I don't know if I can go through another season of that. I wanted to scratch my eyeballs out watching JT fake handoffs and get tackled after a two-yard gain. I hate it. Too slow developing. No. It's like 95% of college football runs that play. So no. It's foundational in what Urban Meyer's done. It it's not going anywhere anytime soon. As long as he's in Ohio State, that's sticking around no matter. You'll what see. <clears throat> they might call it less, or we might perceive them as calling it less, just because the running back will take it more. I think or the quarterback will give it more, but it's not going away. How good will Dwayne Haskins be at doing that? Remains to be seen. I think I. I they didn't do it with Cardale. It's not, I don't want to always compare Dwayne Haskins to Cardale, but they didn't do it much with Cardale, I don't think. And Cardale wasn't great at it when he had to do it. Um, I don't know. Dwayne Haskins has done it some. He did it some in high school. He did it a little bit this year. I think he'll be okay, but not certainly not as good as JT. Um, Brock Doctor, the status of Demario McCall's and Matthew Baldwin's injuries. We've talked about this some. Let's give another quick update. McCall should be good, right? We both we both talked to him in the locker room after the Big Ten championship game. Um, and I got the vibe that like he could have played. I don't know. He would have been somewhat limited. He did play some, but then they stopped playing him. He, he did make it clear. I, wasn't, I, I thought it was possible that he was 100%. And they just had said, 
you know what? We're too far down the road on the red shirt. We're just going to bench you. But he was still saying like, no, I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent. But but I agree that he could have played. Probably. I think I think it was like a day to day deal. Like he might feel really good one day, and then the next day it flares up on him. Um, Matt Baldwin, um, trying to figure out actually. Um, he when I spoke with him, he told me that he was waiting until he got up here in Columbus. He is here now to get his knee looked at, and they would give the prognosis then. Um, so I have asked some people what the deal is. I just haven't heard back yet. So I, I don't know on Matt Baldwin. But my anticipation is that he will have to have some kind of procedure done on his knee. Okay. Demar McCall, Dr. Mantis Toboggan um, at 49 unbeaten is asking for an update on McCall and a prediction on how much playing time he gets next year. Again, we're waiting to see who else leaves from the H-back spot. But I'm anticipating that Demar McCall has a primary role in this offense next year. I think he'll have a primary role in the offense, and I also think he'll be a returner. Okay. Jordan Steele, Jalen Marshall, Tyvis Powell, Noah Brown. Those are examples of guys who left early that maybe people weren't expecting. Who surprises us this year and leaves early? Hmm. It's a receiver. But, like, is there somebody that we, like, when we listed our guys who could go. Oh. You know, like, yeah. is there somebody that's, like, wasn't even on our list that could go? Like a Was Damon, Isaiah Prince on the list? Like, Isaiah Prince would be a candidate. Like or, that. Yeah. What about Terry McLaurin? He was on the list. I think we've talked about all the receivers as a group because it's so uncertain and none are a sure thing to go and none are a sure thing to come back. Like I would be a little surprised if a guy like Terry McLaurin left. What about Dante Booker? I think it's possible Dante Booker goes in some capacity. I don't know. I yeah. think he's trying to figure out what he's going to do because I think he was sort of fr- naturally frustrated by how this season unfolded for him from a variety of standpoints. I don't think... He played the way he wanted to play. Um, he had a con- the concussion issue that kept him out a little bit. He lost a starting job. Um, it's hard to see how he fits in next year if you're trying to get Baron Browning and Keandre Jones and Malik Harrison on the field more. There's plenty of guys to fill in with Baker's departure. So I think that's a possibility that he's not here one way or the other. But I think Prince is a good candidate. I think Prince is, is, is a good candidate to, to maybe shock us. And I think the only other... Only other candidates are uh, are Damon Arnett and Kendall Sheffield in some combination, because everybody yeah. else was sort of on alert for. Yeah. I don't think those those are two guys who are positioned to be in a pretty good spot next year. So I, I would be surprised if either one of those guys left. Which spring game will have the more hype leading into it? The Haskins Martell 2018 game or the defending national champs game in 2015? That's Jordan Steele again. I mean, in 2015 it was kind of interesting because it was the quarterback battle. But there but weren't wasn't. a lot of other new guys to see. But it wasn't the quarterback battle because JT didn't play. Right. But that was when wasn't that when they had like the throwing competition? Yeah. That spring game and it was yeah. like Troy and Cardale and JT and yeah. all the crazy stuff and you're trying to figure out what they were going to do with Braxton. But that was like everybody returning and you wanted to figure out the quarterback thing. But I think there might be more to this spring game because there's some other things you want to see. There's kind of this young crop of of, of new leaders, um, but the Haskins Martell thing is so interesting because because we haven't seen them. People want to see Tate Martell, man. I want to see Tate Martell. And by people, I mean you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I don't even think it's close. I the 15 spring game was the one they had over 100,000, right? Um, mm-hmm. It was like a celebration of winning a national championship. That was like a it was a party, and that was great. I'm sure fans were excited to be there and go to it. 
But what I think makes spring games interesting is getting to see guys who don't play. So, like, I wasn't excited to come to a 2015 spring game where we knew all the position battles, mostly. And this is a little different than that. So, and, and the most the most important position will have healthy guys competing for the job in the spring game. G. Nelly, G. Nelly 97, what does the offense need to change heading into next year to become national championship caliber? Do you think it needs to change? Do you think change is the right word? And do you think that this has been a national championship caliber offense the past two years? Um, no, I didn't, I didn't mean to put you on spot. It hasn't been national championship uh, caliber, but change things? I don't know. The the funny thing is, I don't know if they necessarily need to change anything. They should be better at throwing, you know, intermediate to deep routes. And I feel like a new quarterback would be able to do that. We talked last week kind of about the limitations of JT Barrett, that, you know, Ohio State has found a way to work around that and have a, an offense that gains 500 yards a game, could put points up on the board. I feel like as far as change goes, there's not they're not going to need to make that much. It just needs to be they need to be able to execute better down the field. And you feel I feel like with a guy like particular Dwayne Haskins, who we've seen be more adept at making those deep throws, those riskier throws. I feel like with that, the offense should be better in that regard. But the fundamental stuff behind it, I think, stays relatively the same. When when you wrote the thing. Before the playoff game in 2016 about how you don't have to throw to win it. And you cited past examples of other teams, right? Yeah, it was based on yards per attempt. It wasn't that, it wasn't that you had to throw more, you had to throw differently. Do you believe that? Yeah. You, you, do you still believe that you can have a strong run game, a good defense, and not necessarily chuck it down the field and still win a national title? Both teams in the national championship this year, I think, prove that. Now, Georgia has two awesome running backs, and Alabama has, like, nine awesome running backs. Um, but, like, Jake Jake Fromm was good. He was great as a true freshman, but they're not there because of him. The hard thing is that Alabama makes the national championship every year, and they've never had right. a quarterback that really scared anybody. Right. But also, like, on the flip side of that, like, Clemson would not have been there without Deshaun Watson and what he did. So there's there's arguments against it, I guess. But, yeah, I, I still believe – I think um, they need to diversify their passing game a little bit. It was funny to me, and like we were guilty because it was new for Ohio State, but it was like we all went nuts, like, oh my god, they're running crossing routes, like shallow crosses. And then I was listening to um, a, a preview for this national championship game on another podcast, and they were interviewing Chris B. Brown, who's like the smart football guy, and he's like, oh, the shallow cross is like the most popular route in college football. Like, we all went nuts because Ohio State finally started doing it this year when actually, like, what they were doing was not unique in any way, shape, or form. Um, but I think their offense is predictable. A little bit, and I wrote that earlier in the year. I think they need to diversify, um, mostly in the passing game, and then just not rely on the quarterback run so much. Um, I think relying on a quarterback run is a great way to get you a third and one, and like it's a great way to eke out a win over Wisconsin. But I don't think you win national titles that way. That's been proven. So um, it does need to change a little bit. Does it make sense that Ohio State could win a national championship on the Alabama model on the like a defense full of First rounders, running back, multiple running backs who can pound it, and a quarterback who just is, you know, sort of keeping things rolling. Is that what Ohio State should be striving for, or is that a uniquely Alabama thing? That we we always talk about, you know, Alabama is Alabama. Who's next? Who are the challengers? And we thought maybe Ohio State was going to be the number one challenger. Clearly now Clemson is the number one challenger, even though they got their doors blown off. Um, Georgia is clearly on the rise. Is Alabama the only team who can 
win year after year that way, and everybody else wants good players all over the place, but man, you just got to have a quarterback who makes big-time plays if you really want to win a title. Or can Ohio State just be Bama? No, I think you need a quarterback. And I think even Alabama won was the three titles in four years with that formula when the rest of the country just wasn't up to par recruiting-wise. And that's changed a little bit. And I think you can win a lot, certainly you win a lot with that formula. And Ohio State can win the Big Ten with that formula. But I think to compete against the elite teams, you have to have a quarterback. Which is why Alabama stopped winning a championship every year, because they don't have one. And Dwayne Haskins is that guy? I think so. Is he that guy, Tim? I think so. I think him or Martell uh, could be that guy because... And Bur- I think Burrow... I th- yeah. we, Joe Burrow is very good. I just want to say that. Yes. Um, when I talk... I mean... For another team. <laughs> well, it's just like people are like, you're blowing... You're always... Guys over always, always overlook Burrow when you talk about the quarterback. And I guess that's true, but... The reason we do that one is because if someone's going to transfer, he seems like the most likely one because he can play next year, and Haskins can't and Martell can't. So that's like that's all it is. I don't think. Well, I don't say that because I think Joe Burrow stinks. I would be very surprised if he wins the job. And I actually think, and I want to ask Urban Meyer this at some point. Like Ohio State owes it to Joe Burrow to give him to pick, maybe not pick a starter, but give him an answer by the end of spring on like who the quarterback is. Yeah. Um. But I don't, I don't think he's incapable of winning the job. But Dwayne Haskins is clearly ahead. I mean, like, we yeah. were – in the preseason, it was this whole, who's the backup? Well, they wouldn't really say. And then Burrow was hurt. It's like, oh, it – I mean, you saw what Dwayne Haskins did this year. He did a thousand times more than what Joe Burrow did. It doesn't mean Joe Burrow maybe can't – isn't going to be capable of doing it. But Dwayne Haskins is way ahead. Mm-hmm. And Joe Burrow is two years older than Tate Martell. So, like, it's just the way it is, man. Like, that's just, it's just the deal. Is, and, and also, Joe Burrow's been very upfront about the idea that transferring is a possibility for him. Yes. So, you can't, like, simultaneously think that Dwayne Haskins, can you, can you think this? Could you think that Dwayne Haskins should have played instead of JT Barrett, yet can't beat out Joe Burrow? Like, half the, half the fan base wanted Dwayne Haskins to start this year, but now people are going to be offended if we're like making assumptions about Dwayne Haskins in 2018 and counting out Joe Burrow, come on, man. Yeah, I think a little bit of that is happening. It doesn't make much sense to me, but whatever. Um, this is a non-football question. We still want to get to the backfield breakdown, right? Oh, yeah. We'll do that at the end. We're going to do, we said we wanted to break down a position group. We kind of broke it in down. In each podcast. We'll do, we'll cover everything because we've talked a lot of quarterback and we talked a lot of running back. Well, I just want to reset everything. We're going to do this is the quarterback, running back, backfield breakdown. We'll have receivers, we'll have offensive line, defensive line, linebackers, and secondary in the future. This is that. We will get to that at the end of this podcast in the next couple minutes. James Octavius, James underscore Octavius. What's your favorite vacation destination in the United States and abroad? And I just wanted to take this question so I could talk about Disney World. Woo! LeBron James has never been to Disney World. What? They were in Orlando this week, and Joe Varden tweeted that. And I had a crazy reaction to it. Like, basically, my point is, what is the point of being rich and famous if you're not going to go to Disney World? I thought he would have, like, owned a piece of it. So, wait. So, you're saying that UCF has had more national championship parades at Disneyland than the amount of times LeBron James has been to Disney World? 
correct. You said Disneyland. In I city. meant Disney World. You know that World is in Florida, Land is in California. I know. I, I've right? been to both. Right. I apologize to Disney World and Disneyland. I meant championship parades at Disney World. <laughs> like, he could shut down a whole park for a day. Like, yeah, I feel like yeah. like that that is one piece of information that leads me to believe that my life is better than LeBron James's. It's the only piece, but I have been to Disney World, and he hasn't. And I feel for him. So Disney World is your answer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Disney World is my answer. <laughs> so dis- What's yours? To me, I think you've... Uh, you both have traveled more than I have. But in the U.S. So this is your U.S. answer. Does that have to be within the contiguous 48? No, just say Hawaii. We'll move on. Okay, Hawaii. Thank you. Um, <laughs> mine is the Jersey Shore and, like, not fist-pumping MTV Jersey Shore. Like, I, I really enjoy Wildwood, New Jersey. It's where I've gone my entire life. So, it like, it's part of it is a sentimental thing, I guess. But I will say uh, I went to Fort Myers, Florida this past summer, and it was lovely. Shout out Chase Richardson. Um, so I could see myself becoming a Fort Myers, Florida kind of guy. And, if, it, and internationally, I don't really have an answer because I haven't been out of the country all that much. If you and Leah went to Fort Myers again, you could definitely stay with Chase Richardson. Yeah, like, I hope you, you don't need, I'll sleep on the couch or the floor, it's fine. Yeah, it's yeah. no big deal. They're not asking for a lot, Chase. They're not highfalutin people. They're simple right. folk. Yeah. They just need a bed, a cup of coffee in the morning, cold brew. Yeah. <laughs> yep. A couple snacks. Like, a TV with at least, like, 300 channels. Uh-huh. Uh, tiki bar, simple folk. Um, like good fish tacos. Yeah, I think he has all that. Come on, Chase. Yeah. Um, and what's what's your favorite place over, uh, overseas that you've gone? To? I have not uh, that I've been. Uh, or that you would like to go to Belize. I want to go to Belize. You want to? I want to move. I want to move to Belize. But <laughs> yeah, you want to go to Belize and, not, and never come and back. Not come back. But that I've been to. Um, you've researched that. Yo. Yeah. 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 I want. Um, I want to move to Belize and, like, grow coffee, and that's what I want, I want my life to be. And do a couple recruiting stories in the podcast. Yeah, yeah. But then I've been, uh, I've never been to Europe. Probably Fiji. I was in Fiji for, like, two days. Nice. Yeah, so that was it. Tim? Um, favorite place I've ever been to in the world. I've been to, like, three different countries, three different continents. I'm going to say... I have a soft spot for this because I went there a long time ago. Sydney, Australia. Mm-hmm. I nice. got to go as part of a student ambassador trip when I was like 16 years old. Spent three weeks in Australia. I just loved it there. It was just such an amazing place to be. It was beautiful. You know, the city was lively. Architecture is phenomenal. The harbor is beautiful. So much about it is really just tremendous. The only reason I can't go back, so expensive. I, I immediately just tried to look up how much it costs to go far away. Columbus is any admit they don't have any of those available, right? Anything I could look up. There's no direct flights from uh, Columbus to Sydney. Oh, I realize that. I mean, the Southwest flight of Sydney. <laughs> making like, well, I'm assuming making three layovers somewhere in there, like Columbus to Chicago to Dallas to Sydney or Columbus to, um, yeah, Detroit to LA, whatever. Yeah. Multiple cool. thousands of dollars, but I can't believe you didn't say Canada for poutine. I thought about it after I said Fiji. Yeah, but I've been, poutine and Fiji? I've only been I've been to Toronto and I've been to Windsor, which is just across the river from Detroit. Um, and Toronto's like going to New York, so it was cool, but didn't feel like a foreign country. I went to Russia when I was in high school. Ooh, really? Nice. Um, not a great vacation spot. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. 
Not relaxing, though. Uh, actually, I'm close to looking at how much it would cost to fly from Cleveland to Sydney, Australia. All right, you, you keep doing that while we move on to a couple more. Tim is also going to sponsor a trip for a lucky Buckeye Talk listener to go to Sydney, Australia. So yes. uh, we'll let you know the details. Um, this is a good one by Drizzy Get Busy. Are you surprised at the players who enrolled early? I'm surprised Vincent, Gill, Ruckert, and Mitchell did not enroll early. Does this make it harder for them to see the field next year? So Vincent was supposed to, and now he's not, and I don't know the details of that. I just like know that he was at one point thought to be an early enrollee, and now he's not. Um, it doesn't mean anything. He's signed. He's coming here. Um, no, like there are some – not everyone can. Not every high school slash school district allows students to graduate early. I don't know if that came into play for any of these guys. Some guy like you have to have your academic straight, and I'm not saying these guys are in poor academic standing, but talking about graduating high school early, and not everyone does that. Um, I don't think that it. I mean, certainly if you're here early, it gives you a leg up. But I don't think like Nick Bosa wasn't an early enrollee. And he played as a true freshman. Like I don't, you don't have to be an early enrollee to play as a true freshman. Yeah, it helps. I mean, I think it helped J.K. Dobbins. It it, it helps guys, but um, helped Michael Jordan. Yeah, but I mean, obviously, I mean, it's it's a whole extra round of practice for mm-hmm. you to get to know the team and the coaches to get to know you. Um, so it helps. I think I think certain positions it helps more, um, but I think if you're if you're exceptional. You can find a way, mm-hmm. a la Nick Bosa. Uh, there's a Piata question I wanted to get to, to talk about food, and then we'll... Uh, we can't get to every question. We apologize. We appreciate you guys sending everything. Um, somebody wanted to know what we think of Piata. I'm for it. And good stuff. I also thoughts on Piata Italian street food. One is opening new near me soon. That's from Greg C74. He asked me about Piata. I... I did a basketball mailbag, and he asked me like a good basketball question, and then was like, also, what are your thoughts on Piata? He's really excited for a Piata. Yeah, maybe he owns one. My children love Piata. We go there a lot. It's, I think you can put every kind of ethnic food there is in a burrito, and you're good to go. Yeah. So this is just Italian food in a burrito. But also pasta. I've had pasta there. It's been really good. But to me, if you're going to get... Didn't, most places you can't get your pasta in a burrito. Like yeah, I, th- I think yeah. you should. I think McDonald's should give you an option. Would you like your hamburger and fries folded into a burrito? And I would take that option. I think every place you go, I think you just, you just did something there. Should offer to take your order and roll it into a burrito. So if I say I'd like some lovely pasta with a little meat on it, some veggies, a nice sauce, and then I would like you to take that lovely pasta and roll it in a burrito. Are you talking like a KFC burrito stuff, like chicken, mashed potatoes, wedges, into it? But you have to leave the biscuit out. The biscuit has to be separate. Don't hard, hard disagree. (laughs) Biscuit (laughs) in a burrito. The biscuit has to be its own separate thing. I think. I want. I'm gonna. No, I want that. I want a biscuit at each end of the burrito, like caps. (laughs) (laughs) So it's almost like it's almost like a hoverboard, like a food hoverboard. You have. The biscuits are like wheels, and then the middle's like the burrito thing. Yeah. It's like a food hoverboard. I'm going to go, next time I get Chinese food, I'm going to say I'd like the Kung Pao chicken in a burrito. In a burrito, please. That's all they did. They said, someone said, what if we had 
Italian food and we put it in a burrito. And someone said, well, they don't, that's not really, a burrito is not, and they said, well, we'll just call it something else. Call it, I don't know, a piata. Boom. Money. Piata money, sticks are really good, too. Money rains from the sky. Yeah, they are good. I love piata sticks. So you're telling me you go to piata and you don't get your food rolled in a burrito? No, I have. I've, just, I've also gotten a bowl of pasta, and it was also good. I think it's good. I like to try the whole menu. It's good to have both. In a burrito. <laughs> it's good to have both Can I ideas. soda in a burrito, please? Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing. The burrito, wrapping your, your order in a burrito doesn't change the order. Yeah. It just wraps it in a burrito. It changes the vessel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, you know what you want to do tonight when you go home and go to sleep? You want to get wrapped in a burrito. Sleep in a burrito. I actually do kind of sleep. Yeah, I sleep with my blankets over my head, like pulled very tight, like a burrito. Yeah. <laughs> I got 18 months until McDonald's <laughs> offers to put your fries in a burger in a burrito. Well, you know what's going to happen. Under. You know what's going to happen after 18 months. This thing, the Pizza Hut. That's a giant yeah. toaster on wheels for yeah, Pizza Hut. This is Darren Ravel tweeted this on Monday. Pizza Hut. He says Pizza Hut partners with Toyota for a, an autonomous delivery vehicle that will bring the food to you. By wait, 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 you know wait, 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 won't harm me or my family or my friends. You guys are being duped, man. I can't even. I mean, there's I'm not no gonna, point. I'm not going to have a pizza robot delivery. There's no. Pizza. There's no point in making every one of these podcasts about the robot revolution. But it's coming. Yeah. And I'm going to be aware of it. And I'm going to be on guard. I was at the grocery store the other night, swiping my <laughs> grocery items on the automatic scanner robot, <laughs> ranting to my children about how robots were taking over the world. And I looked up, and the, the man at the scanner in front of me, five feet away, was Dave Dickerson, former Ohio State basketball assistant coach. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, that guy used to be one of the Fat Modest assistants. And my daughter was like, well, why don't you say hello? And I said, because I was just ranting about robots like a crazy person. <laughs> Does this mean you're going to be the new John Connor? Yeah. Is, is he a robot or is he against the robot? No, he's, no, he's he was, he, he led the resistance in resistance. the Terminator movies. I don't watch movies that include robots, so that means I don't, I'm not aware of the people who fight the robots. But if you're comparing me to someone who fights robots on behalf of the human race, yes, that's who I am. That's good to know. Let's do the backfield breakdown. The quarterbacks are... Redshirt junior Joe Burrow. In the end, do we think he will be on the roster in 2018? Yes or no? This is our backfield breakdown. No, I don't. I don't think he will be. No. I agree. I think he's going to transfer somewhere else and get and get a chance to play this season. Dwayne Haskins is a redshirt sophomore. We think he'll be the starter. Mm-hmm. Tate Martell is a redshirt freshman. Matthew Baldwin as a true freshman, and Corey Curtis is a walk-on quarterback who's six four. He's a big dude. He was he was wearing a Sam Darnold um, scout team jersey at the Cottonball practice we got to go to, and he yeah he's a big guy. Really? Yeah. I think I follow him on Twitter. Let's see if he listens to Buckeye talk. All right, the running backs, and here's someone asked us about this, um, and and was asking about all the people and working in, and they were lumping the H backs in with the running backs, 
I think we need to explain. H backs are not running backs. They're receivers. Slot receiver. So they're the slot receiver, unless you are Curtis Samuel. But when Curtis Samuel was the H back, he wasn't playing H back when he was taking handoffs. He was just being the number one and a half tailback, mm-hmm. who also was the starting H back. And then in the big games, was also the starting tailback. He was two different players. Yep. So when we talk about Demario McCall, and by the way, again, people were asking about it. Demario McCall is an H back, he is not a running back. He confirmed that with us. After the Big Ten Championship game, do not think about Demario McCall in terms of running the ball. At least not any more than you think about Paris Campbell running the ball. Paris Campbell's not a running back. Every now and then he might get the ball on a jet sweep or whatever. But they and, and we even talked about like with Paris. Oh, could we see you in the backfield? Like a Curtis No. That was uniquely Curtis Samuel because of that situation. Because and again, by the way, not to get back to it. That's who Mike Weber... I mean, Mike Weber got better. Well, Mike Weber was the starting tailback. They made the H-back the starting tailback against Michigan. Yeah. Because they wanted to win. I'm not trying to rip a guy. I'm just, like, trying to be realistic about who people are. So when we talk about running backs, we're not talking about H-backs. H-backs are receivers. Mike Weber's a redshirt junior. J.K. Dobbins is a true sophomore. Antonio Williams is a true junior. And then we have two freshmen in Brian Sneed and Master Teague. Like... What do you think of that collection of tailbacks? I like it. I, I, I like Master Teague a lot. I've said that before. And, and I, <clears throat> from seeing some stuff from the All-Star games, Brian Sneed is, is really good, too. Obviously, he's highly ranked. So, really good depth, I think. Um, I don't expect Sneed or Teague to have much of a role, but I think it's good to have that depth. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, both Sneed and Teague redshirt this season. Just because, you know, again, both guys... Had talent. I, I did watch the Under Armour game. I liked what I saw to Brian Sandy. He didn't get a lot of carries, but what I saw out of him was really good. He he was very patient, and when he saw what he wanted, he just took off and got it. He got, I think, a 10-yard run and a 9-yard run. I liked what I saw out of him. They put... Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Sure. I'm not, go ahead. They put Zeke on special teams as a true freshman, right? Yeah, he did not play very much um, as a true freshman, but he was on kick coverage. So I think... I don't think both Sneed and Teague will redshirt... I'd actually be surprised if, if either of them did. But I think there's a special teams role for at least one of those guys. So they're but they're pretty good there. Yeah. And then I Probably, guess I mean, it, the best the, not the best they've been because they don't have a Zeke Elliott, but the deepest they've been. And then they'll probably take one in two thousand nineteen. Yeah. I mean with that group, because then you figure in two thousand nineteen Weber's definitely gone. J.K. Dobbins is a junior. Mm-hmm. You have two second year guys. But then you still want somebody ready for 2021. And, yeah, I don't know, for 2020 when yeah, Sneed no. and Teague. Like, do you think Sneed and or Teague, not saying which one necessarily, but will one of them be ready to be the next guy when Dobbins is done? Yeah. Like, like the, the things are in place. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think so. Mm-hmm. And but the, I will say the guy like their top running back target in 2019 is Noah Kane, who's a five star prospect and one of the best running backs in the country. So you could have a Dobbins like situation where true freshman comes in and is just the best guy. Better than Dobbins? When oh, Dobbins no, is no, a no, I guess not better than Dobbins, but I guess the year after that when Sneed and Teague are both a year ahead of. Assuming Noah Kane comes here, and I'm not saying he will, but if he does, um, 
he could jump people. So you're saying he could probably jump as high as number two potentially, depending on depending potentially, on potentially. Yeah. Who? Where's he from? He plays. In, I don't know if he's originally from Florida, but I think he's at IMG. I think he actually is originally from Texas. Okay. All right. So that's our podcast. Um, we still have stuff we're going to roll out again a week from uh, a week from today, but today's Monday. Uh, January fifteenth is the final deadline uh, to declare for the NFL draft. There are still Ohio State guys with decisions. If somebody made a decision in the past two days, we apologize. Um, but that's going to shape this roster to some extent. There will probably probably be a couple other guys involved in some player movement just because that's how it goes. At some point, we think we may talk with Urban Meyer. And then sometime in the month of January, we've had times where we've sort of done like a, a, a wrap-up with him. Often that is connected to the deadline to declare and when he knows who's gone and um, how that affects the roster and that kind of thing. So maybe we'll have some news from him in the next week or 10 days. But in the meantime, make sure you are reading cleveland.com slash OSU for continued football coverage, continued recruiting coverage. Bill and I did a basketball podcast on Sunday night that went up Monday morning uh, off the win over the number one team in the country. That basketball team is getting pretty interesting. Bill Landis is going to be covering that, so make sure you're reading and uh, listening about that. We'll continue to drop in basketball podcasts here and there, but this Wednesday podcast will continue to be focused on football and food because that is what you want, mostly food. So you can always, again, send us questions on Twitter. Honestly, if if you are sending questions and you really, really want them to be answered – um, we can't get to all of them each week, and that's great. We love having so many questions. We can't get to all of them. But if you send the question to at Buckeye Talk Pod, that's your best bet probably to have those questions answered, um, and we'll remember to try to look for them there. So thanks to you guys for listening. Cleveland.com slash OSU is where you should be. Subscribe on iTunes. We'll try not to say things that anger you. We need a couple more five stars, right? Like, the yeah. four stars are great, but we strive to be, we are taking, I said before, and I'll, well, you're going to ignore your constructive criticism. We're taking it. We're, we're soaking in it. We're bathing in your constructive criticism. And if we remember what you said, we'll try to Im- I think implement it. We're, it's, it feels like we've built something here with this podcast, and then we built it on the backs of people who listen to us. So I think it would be foolish not to listen to their criticism in some capacity. Not everything. Unless it really, we're right a lot of the time. Unless it really, really hurts our feelings. Yeah. All right. Thanks to you guys for Bill and Tim. I'm Doug. And that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>